Welcome back. We have Mary Salazar and Liliana Larson, again, talking to us about clinical trials, clinical trial navigation, and now we're going to focus on our diversity in clinical trials and the lack of representation and why we need to take a bigger stand and increase that representation in our clinical trials. So thank you guys again for joining me on this podcast series. I will start with both of you. We'll just throw this question out to you guys. Can you discuss the history of clinical trials and the current demographic statistics for enrollment? So when I say history, you know, a a popular study that comes to mind is the Tuskegee trial. So can you expand a little bit on that so that our listeners can understand the history? Sure. In the past, there wasn't as much regulation regarding clinical trials, and the Tuskegee trial is a horrific event that happened where they watched the progression of syphilis, although they had a treatment for it. And that is something that would never take place nowadays with the regulations that we have at the federal level and all of the certifications that our investigative community needs to pass training in order to have a trial up and running. To the Tuskegee trial, there's another where cell lines were duplicated, 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 and then That's another thing that just can't happen. No one can take anyone's bodily fluids of any type without informed consent. There has been a history of clinical trials that has caused distrust in the general and then specific minority populations in this country. Yes, so still the term human experimentation may remind some of the infamous experiments conducted on war prisoners during World War II and some other cases of unethical handling of human subjects in medical research. Mary was saying these cases involve prisoners, the mentally disabled, the poor, and ethnic minorities, and today still prevent individuals from participating in clinical trials due to a lack of trust. Why is it important to increase diversity representation in clinical trials? How does it actually affect the studies and the medicine that we're studying? So clinical trial diversity is imperative in advancing health outcomes and health equity. So when we talk about representation, it means the participation should exemplify the person or the population that will use the medical product. So diversity includes race, sex, age, geographical location, religion, insurance status, and we were talking earlier, it could be even sexual orientation. So this is important because depending on race, ethnicity, and age, individuals are going to respond differently to a treatment, a product, and the lack of diversity impede the ability to generalize the study results. So if we are only enrolling patients that are, let's say, they're Hispanic, then we cannot generalize those results into the population that is going to include Caucasian and African-Americans. Can you guys talk a little bit about the new FDA regulation requiring pharmaceutical companies to have a clinical trials diversity action plan? And I'm probably totally generalizing all of that, but can you guys explain that just a little bit further to our navigators? Yes, so this is called the DEPICT Act, and you spell it D-E-P-I-C-T Act. And it's a new law that requires clinical trial sponsors to submit diversity action plans. So in December 2022, the Congress makes diversity action plans 
a recommendation. So it was recommended also in April where sponsors will develop diversity plans to increase diversity accrual in the clinical trials. This is going to be a requirement for phase three clinical trials. And these plans of how they're going to increase the diversity need to be included by the time they submit the clinical trial. So it's going to be very important because, you know, when something becomes a law, then everyone has to comply. So it's just not talking, it's actually walking. And prior to this law, there were a lot, a lot of trials done in the space of immunotherapy for oncology. And at that time, there wasn't a requirement to document racial categories in the trials. So we don't know if one category did better than the other. 20% of trials with 59,000 patients between January 2010 and August 22, 20% did not record the patient's race. So that just leaves a big question mark in that space. I think if we're going to do these trials, I think now this new act makes that a requirement so that we can learn how these drugs affect each type of individual. That is important, Mary, because it's going to definitely affect the design of the clinical trial. And like you said, we were not collecting certain data. We are not collecting the sexual orientation. So how can we actually apply these clinical trials? Or where can we get the data for some of the population in the LGBTQ community if we never ask the sexual orientation? So I think it's going to put out a lot of good data. And moving forward, there's a lot of room for improvement. Yeah, I think we're finally, hopefully, not just talking the talk, we're walking the walk. We're actually making progressive steps forward to try to help improve that data so that we can improve outcomes for everyone, which is the ultimate goal. I know that we discussed some barriers to clinical trial recruitment earlier on, and especially with the history of just the horrific things that have happened. How do you think, or how do you know, navigation can impact clinical trial diversity? I think that the population in general in the United States really trusts nurses And I think that the oncology nurse navigator follows the patients through all the disciplines, med-onc, surge-onc, rad-onc, and is the one person that's kind of right in the center of the care with them, and so that they can build a trust. And I really just think it's, it's about the trust that the navigator can build with the patient, such that he or she might be impactful when it comes to suggestions of clinical trials. And once the patient enrolls in the clinical trial, the navigator can always help them stay in the clinical trial because things change and what wasn't a barrier in the beginning may become a barrier. So it's developing the partnership with research groups and the research department because the nurse navigator could increase the accrual and brought the pool of individuals that are being approached to join the clinical trial and then may prevent many trials from fail due to poor enrollment. Yeah, I think that not only just nurses, but 
our patient navigators, our social workers, our community patient navigators that are actually out in the community in these underserved settings. They look like the population that they're serving. And so it's been able to build that trust. They speak that same language. They understand the history of what's happened and the barriers and issues that they deal with on a daily basis, I think, can help build that trust. And they can at least open the door to let them know that, hey, we're trying to give you the best outcome possible, I think is so important and a really crucial role that navigators can play. Do you have any steps that you add to your workflow to try to help increase that recruitment or to make sure that every patient every time is offered a clinical trial or at least discussed with them. You know, they may not qualify for a certain clinical trial, but at least they're aware because sometimes that can be the first step too, is just bringing that awareness and that education. Yeah. So in my case, I do the intentional chart review where I go in and I make sure that I know the patient and provide education in their language and their preferred learning method. If it's a video, I will facilitate that video. Me personally, I had the certification to speak to patients in Spanish without the use of an interpreter. So that if your facility offers that and you speak a different language, just try to get that certification so you can talk to the patients. I like to stay up to date in cultural sensitive training, anything that I can get my hands on, I would like to do that. And stay up on information. What are the trends? What are the patients talking about? Social media, joining Twitter. What is the new tweet? Is this something relevant? Is this a question that is going to be posed to me during my encounter with the patient. And for patients that are a little bit more the high level of education, I refer them to the 2020 drug trial snapshot summary report, which I found it really interesting because it shows for every medication, the breakdown of ethnicity, race, what type of population was tested this medication. So if I am Asian, I will be interested to know, were there any Asian patients involved in the development of this medication? So those are tools that we can all utilize to get a better idea. Can you guys give some insights into how a navigator can do a community outreach to these minority populations? Any tips? We've got a new navigator and they want to get more involved in that community and build that trust and learn more about that and become more mindful and awareness of of just their daily struggles or issues or challenges that may prevent them from being a part of that. Do you guys have any tips or tricks that you would give navigators? I would find out if there's any support groups in the community that they might want to connect with or any senior groups that they might want to connect with. If it's a prevention trial, usually You know, we have a large academic cancer center here, so we have a population health department, and then we also have a school of public health, but you can also reach out to the schools and the school nurses if you're trying to do something preventive, the pediatric, the primary care groups, so it might take some quiet time to sit and think, but I think a navigator could come up with a list for her own community, what might be out there. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point, Mary, of just as a navigator, we should all be aware of our community that we serve and understand and kind of immerse ourselves into that population so that we can try to better understand them so that we can better serve them. So I think that's that's a really important point that you bring up. Any other tips as we start to close out our podcast? Any tips 
for navigators new to navigating in this clinical trial space or any best practices that you would want listeners to walk away with, especially regarding the importance of diversity in clinical trials and how to have a better impact in that space? So I think some of the points will be to know the basics for clinical trials. Don't be afraid of answering questions and tell the patient, I don't know the question, but I get you the answer. Develop that close relationship with the research team. They are the best source of information for any questions that you may have. Attend the meetings that discuss clinical trials. We may talk about the tumor board, multidisciplinary, especially if they are for your disease side. Get organized, organize the clinical trials, utilize a list, make notes, and use your providers. They will be happy to teach you about the clinical trial, and they can explain to you the same way they explain to the patient but just making notes and carrying around a little sheet sheet. Well, at the larger academic centers like ours, there is some sort of clinical trial meeting that the research coordinator would attend. And if you can find out who leads that meeting for your disease site, and there's usually some sort of sheet (laughs) that lists all the active clinical trials in your center. And if you're very, very remote to go to the clinicaltrials.gov, and play with that site. They have a new beta site that's pretty impressive. Wow, I love all of the insights and expertise that you guys have shared today. I wanna thank you guys both again, just for this robust and informative discussion, as well as to our listeners who have been joining in. This is such a relevant topic and your insights and experiences will definitely help other navigators to navigate this clinical trial space. Our clinical trial committee, which both of these lovely ladies are members of, are actually presenting a clinical trial foundation breakout session at mid-year in May in Orlando, followed by a networking happy hour that we're really excited about. You can view the full agenda for our mid-year conference on our website under the conferences tab. And the clinical trial committee, they're always open to accepting new applicants for the committee. So if you're interested in learning more about joining, please visit our website under the committees tab. And as always, thank you again to our listeners who are the heart and soul of navigation. Thank you.